It's great to be together. Thanks for taking time for this. And also, we're here to serve you. You are not alone. We're walking together. And if you have any prayer requests, because our theme today in Luke chapter 4 is healing and how God heals, how God answers prayers. And if you have any prayer requests, please, right now on live chat or during this message, share those and we'll be praying for you. Or maybe on Facebook, you want to make comments with prayer requests. We're with joy. We pray together because together we're not alone. We have one who we can go to, and he brings hope and healing and joy. And uh, right now, let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father God, thank you for being so gracious and kind to us, for hearing our prayers. God, you are our rock, and we praise you uh, with the emotional roller coaster that is right now and the changing situations and the reality of that right now. God, we look to you. We lift up our eyes to the hills, and we look to you. Jesus, we praise you, for you are the resurrection and the life. And with you, God, uh, we find great uh, peace. We find great comfort. No matter what we're going through, it even transcends our understanding transcends our situation. And right now, Jesus, we pray that you would bring healing. You know the needs of everyone together right now. You know our needs, physical, emotional, relational, financial. And God, we bring them to you and ask for you to do amazingly powerful things during this time right now for your glory. And we pray in your name, amen. Jesus is healing. Jesus was healing 2,000 years ago. Jesus is healing today. When you think about the life of Jesus, he was a carpenter. And the word means builder. We don't know everything he was building, but that word can also include being a stonemason. So as he was building, this continued for about 30 years, and then he had a career change. And if you've been through a career change, you know what that feels like and looks like. Jesus made the pivot and the adjustment, and he stepped into a ministry for about three years before he was crucified. And in this ministry, there were preaching, teaching, and healing that flowed from Jesus. And think about those three. Preaching means proclaiming the good news, Teaching is more like explaining. And of course, it was his lifestyle, not just his words that were consistent. He was teaching with how he lived. To learn from a rabbi, it wasn't just knowledge, but it would be to imitate. And that's what we do. We imitate Jesus. He's teaching us now. And then also healing. He brought shalom. He brought wholeness. And he was able to step into the different realms of people's life and brought healing that sometimes was instant, sometimes gradual, miraculous but also through the natural he brought healing. God is not limited in how he heals and what he can do then or now. And Jesus is our healer. And yet the irony is, preaching and teaching we dive into, but sometimes with healing, there's a little bit of hesitancy. And if we're honest, it's a personal topic and it runs deep. And for some of us, there might be disappointment in this particular realm with God. Maybe you've been praying for healing, longing for healing, and you just haven't seen it. For some people are very skeptical and they say, Jesus can't heal now. God can't do that. God can't do it today. I don't believe that personally. I don't think you can limit God in any way. For some people, there's wonder and mystery in healing. And so they just kind of back off and they say, well, there's just too much to really fully understand. So let's not talk about it that much. But the Bible goes there. And Jesus goes there, and we want to dive into this topic of healing, not just to study it, but to draw close to Jesus, to abide and receive healing from him right now. He is our healer. 
We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 4 and three components of healing today. The first one is that Jesus heals in families, healing families. And take a look starting at verse 38. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn there. And uh, it's always great. You can find it on your phone. There's something about during the week, just getting in. I like this handheld Bible right here. I can just get into the scripture during the week and uh, and your phone as well. Let's stay fed during this time spiritually. And it's our joy to get into God's word together. Luke chapter four, starting in verse 38. Picture this as we read it. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on him. Jesus is healing. And this phrase that we read, Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home. Now the last couple months, that Right there, that phrase brings a whole new reality because our church building's closed right now. Ministry isn't closed. The church is alive, but the building has been closed. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home. And I believe right now God is doing amazing things in the home. Jesus going to the home shows that he has interest in the home, that he cares about what's happening in the home, that he wants to bring spiritual health and vibrancy in the home, and he wants to bring a deep healing in the home. What kind of healing do you need in your home? What's the environment like? What are the relationships like? What is it for you to spend a lot of time at home? Have you been welcoming Jesus into your home? Jesus wants to come into our homes and we need to receive him in our homes and more importantly, in our hearts. But in that environment, not just the church building, uh, but in our homes and Jesus is spending time in Simon's home. Imagine if Jesus said, I want to spend the next 24 hours in your home. What difference would that make? Maybe Jesus will do something the next 24 hours that'll change the next 24 weeks. When we welcome him in, like Simon, like Simon's mother-in-law, Jesus brings healing, he cares. And how does he do that? He brings restoration in the home. And he'll do it through his word. By his word, he's going to rebuke the fever. By his word today, he brings healing. When you open up the scripture at home and read together and talk about it and study it together, there's healing, powerful healing through God's word. Also, they're having a conversation with Jesus, and we have that in prayer, a conversation with Jesus at home. Dive into prayer and fasting at home and start to receive from the Lord. Worship Jesus at home. When's the last time you've really been singing out loud, not just watching these services, but worshiping Jesus with your heart at home? It's wonderful when home is a place where Jesus is in the center, Jesus is honored, and we see that picture right here. Jesus is not just interested in being in in a church building, but he wants to be in our hearts and at home. It's Peter's mother-in-law who has a fever. And the author here, the human author through the Holy Spirit, is Luke. And Luke is a physician, and he points out it's a severe fever. It's an intense fever. There's a lot of people right now who have fevers. And she was suffering with that severe fever. And we also see that it's Peter's mother-in-law, which obviously means Peter was married. I point that out because in some circles, Peter is referred to as the first priest and even the first pope. 
Uh, but what we see in the Bible is that we are all priests, we're all God's ambassadors, we're all ministers together, we're all saints, and also, if he's the first pope, the first pope was married. So that kind of gets you thinking, here's the reminder, let's always go back to the Bible and not just say yes to tradition, but let's think about what does the scripture really say? And Peter's married, and there was a freedom there for Peter to get married. And it's important in the Bible that we celebrate those freedoms and not just try to get legalistic with different things. Uh, Jesus is going to come and rebuke the fever. Can you imagine watching that? Like family is suffering, family has a severe fever. Jesus shows up and just rebukes the fever. Jesus rebukes. Sometimes he rebukes the disciples. In the book of Revelation, he'll rebuke a church. He'll rebuke a city. He'll rebuke a nation. He also rebukes the storms, the wind, and the waves. How does he rebuke all these things and why? Because he has authority. He is the king of kings and lord of lords, and he has authority over the fever to say, fever, be gone. And that's who he is. And they're seeing his power. Now, Peter's mother-in-law, she's going to receive from the Lord. And we want to have hearts that receive from the Lord. She's going to receive healing and then serve. Right away, she wants to serve. There is a motive to serve Jesus and other people. There is a joy and a gratitude that leads to service. There is a desire to serve. She's been sick, and now she's made well, and she wants to serve. Why does God heal us? So that we can serve. Serve God and serve other people. And in fact, the physical healing was just one part of the joy. The serving is even greater joy because there's healing and serving and there's a fullness of joy. God has made us to serve. Why has God given you health? To serve. Why has he given you gifts? To serve. Why does he give you talents and resources? To serve other people. Why does he give you opportunities? To serve other people. And this is a great reminder of the joyful, joyful honor it is to serve other people and to serve God. And that's what Peter's mother-in-law does. She's receiving, joyfully receiving, and joyfully serving. Now let's take a look at the Bible at some other people who are receiving because this receiving of healing is new for us a lot of times. We go back to the book of Genesis and we look at someone named Hagar who at the time was a single mom. Genesis 16 verse 13, she declares and she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. God sent an angel after she was mistreated. Abraham and Sarah were the couple, but they didn't have a child. And so Sarah said, Abraham, sleep with Hagar. Hagar was mistreated. She's really the victim in this. But now she's on the run with her child. And, uh, you know, God's going to speak to her and send an angel and remind her, no, go back, even though she's despised and mistreated, and God's going to be with her. And now she sees, and she realizes that God is the one who sees, God is the one who understands, God is the one who cares, and I'm not alone. She receives the encouragement from God. And today, right now, you can receive that encouragement from God that he cares, that he understands, that he knows even when no one else does. That was true for Hagar. And then in Genesis, Jacob was someone who was really full of himself and he thought he could out-trick people and he could take advantage of people and that's how he was running. He was conflict with his brother because he was selfish. And then the Lord met him and even through a vision, the Lord, and it was a stairway to heaven, and then there was also that God spoke to him 
And this is from Genesis chapter 28. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And God said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you, land, your descendants. And Jacob received. Receiving changed his life. For Hagar, receiving changed her life. Receiving changes our lives. And here's an example from the New Testament. And this is a father who's watched his son just be tortured by a demon, demon demon-possessed. In Mark chapter 9, the dad is talking to Jesus and he says, it has often the demon thrown him, my son, into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Can you relate? Relate to that. When we come to God to receive healing, he wants us to come with belief. It's not, it's much more than just, yeah, I'll just give it a shot. I don't know. It's much more than that. It's not a guarantee that if we just muster up faith, then we're automatically going to see a miracle. That is not the truth. But it's also not just coming to him kind of double-minded and doubting and cynical. That's not how we come to him. When the father says, if you can, Jesus says, what? If you can, do you know who you're coming to? And what did, what did the father receive? He received more belief, more faith. And so receive God's presence, receive God's word, receive God's encouragement, receive the faith in who Jesus is and how he wants to build you up. Receive, receive, receive. That's what's happening with Peter, Peter's mother-in-law. They are receiving from the Lord and God is doing great things in homes. In your home, learn how to receive from the Lord. Uh, When I think about life at home, of course, you might be living alone right now. And this might be a time where you receive encouragement and restoration with family who doesn't live with you. And I've been connecting with family through Zoom and phone more than we usually do right now. It's been a sweet time of, of closeness together. And so that's an option. But let's say you have a lot of people or even overwhelmed at home, or maybe it's just two of you, but there's tension at times. It's getting difficult. Remember this, in relationships, God uses conflict. Now, in conflict, do not get abusive and mean with put downs, uh, nothing like that. No domestic violence, of course. We're praying that that would come down during the virus. Uh, But conflict, God uses to change us so that we have deeper communication, deeper trust, healing. And a lot of times we need to repent. And then we come together with a greater unity and we become more like Jesus and we mature. And what I've seen, even the extra time with my family is that things become more visible and then we need to go to the Lord and then we receive that. I'm grateful for this extra time at home. It's been one of the highlights of the last two months. There's almost been like a settling, I feel like, in different ways, in more meals together, more creativity together. There's just been a bonding that's been so special and really sense that Jesus is doing this in our home. I encourage you again, the realm is in the home, in the relationships. Receive from the Lord and let Jesus be the healer. Let him be the center at home. Abide with him. Without him, things can get weird, intense. Uh, they can get painful destructive, but with Jesus, there's healing at home. Let's receive from the Lord. That's the first realm 
receiving from the Lord, Jesus healing families. And then let's take a look at the second component. And this is Jesus's healing power, his unrivaled healing power. Take a look at verse 40. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus healed them and they were seeking the Lord. Sometimes you have that sense like Jesus just comes like he did to Peter's home and starts healing and you just receive. But other times you really know you've got to seek the Lord and they are going to Jesus. They're going to find Jesus. And it says it was sunset when they came to Jesus. This is important because the Sabbath from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, they were waiting at that time. There were rules and restrictions that they could only travel two-thirds of a mile. They couldn't carry things. And they were just waiting to bring those who were sick, waiting to bring them to Jesus. As soon as the sun is setting, they're like, Jesus, we're here. We, we know you heal. We know of your greatness. And we come to you. And they're seeking Jesus for his unrivaled healing power. Now, what are we going through these days? Right? Lots of challenges. Lots of challenges the last two months that weren't there the two months previous. And we're sorting through so many things. Now, I say it's important to keep a sense of humor. I've been sharing some memes during these messages and found a couple more. I uh, just want to share this. That's a picture of the year. And that's January, February, March. Oh, by the time we get to April, it's like, wait a second, where did the routines go? Where did the schedule go? Like, what are my goals? What month is this? What week is this? And it's like time is just, it feels different right now. It's kind of a reality and uh, something we're going through. We sense we need some structure. We need some clarity. We need some goals. Here's the next meme. And that was the travel plans in 2020. They'd be like, look at that cruise ship. I'm getting away. I'm going overseas, right? Dream cruise ship. And then reality is like, I'm just doing the dishes every week, every night, just scrubbing the dishes. So things have changed. There's been vacation dreams that have been crushed. And that's a huge adjustment and disappointment. And then this next one is just ridiculous, but that's the lockdown monster. You ever feel like the lockdown monster is chasing you down? And uh, I lived in Scotland, so anything with Loch Ness is close to my heart. But the, the grumpy guy is saying, hey, social distancing, remember lock, lockdown monster. But sometimes we feel like we're battling something. And sometimes it's in the spiritual realms, like we're battling something during this lockdown and we can't even quite describe what it is. But we sense that it's intense and at times we're feeling very overwhelmed, very stressed. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud points out these four, in addition to the virus and the physical suffering that's happening, these four observations. We are suffering in the area of relational connectedness and loneliness. We don't get to see each other and hug each other like we used to. Also, there's the elimination of old routines and structures. Another aspect is reduced choices and a sense of not being in control. And then lastly, less achievement and purpose in many cases. So what do we do with that? We don't want to hang our heads in discouragement. We don't want to have a spirit or song of defeat. We want to get creative. We want to seek Jesus and then get resourceful. I like with one of our international partners in the Middle East, there's a labor camp with about 35,000 men. And there was some discipleship happening. But then when the virus hit, it's like, what are we going to do now? 
And the church gave Android smartphones so that now in the labor camp, these men have access and through Zoom, discipleship continues. And I love that pivot. I love that adjustment. Of course, with our life groups here at Grace, which are really the core of our church, we're so glad that many new people are getting into groups and getting connected right now. If you ever want to get connected, you just comment or put life groups there in the chat room. We'll get you connected. But that intentional pursuing relationships and bond. Okay, it's not as good as being in the same room, but what can we do? And God is blessing that. And we get creative with all sorts of things. And whether that's outreach, prayer times, loving our neighbors right now, we want to get creative. And why? Because Jesus is healing. In the darkest times, God's light shines the brightest. And when there's a great need for healing, I was talking to someone today. I said, oh, the message is going to be on healing. And he just said, oh, we need some healing. We need healing. And it was like across the board. We need a lot of healing. This is a time where we go to Jesus. We seek Jesus, his unrivaled power. And it's physical, relational, spiritual, emotional, financial. Jesus is our provider. We can go to him, look to him. And uh, he does it in so many ways. He does it through love, provision, miracles, through people. God does this. He brings healing. And you say, well, why is healing essential? I mean, I get preaching, I get teaching, but why was healing essential for Jesus? And again, let's go back to the scripture, Psalm 147. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. We can kind of feel like exiles sometimes right now. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God's character. That's why Jesus heals, because God's character is one of healing and binding up wounds. It's not only his character, it's also his glory. There's, there's glory in the healing that he brings. Psalm 107, starting in verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Think about the healing that Jesus has brought into your life what God has done. And when you think back about that, you want to give him thanks. You want to give him praise. And it glorifies the Lord when we seek him out, receive, and then thank him for what he's done. Healing authenticated Jesus' teaching and his preaching. They went together. It wasn't compartmentalized. It wasn't like, oh, there's a whole teaching ministry and then completely separate as a healing ministry. No, the healing authenticated the teaching and the preaching. And then also uh, there's prophecy. In the Old Testament, those are the 39 books when you open up your Bible to the left before Jesus' birth, and then 27 books to the right, it's the New Testament. Well, the Old Testament, it's all one book, unity in the Bible. The Old Testament points to what Jesus would do. Isaiah's a prophet who listed it specifically. This is from Isaiah chapter 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. As Jesus is healing, and he'll even quote Isaiah chapter 61, that he's came to, you know, bring the good news. He's come to heal. Uh, He fulfills the prophecy so that everyone can see he's a Messiah. Why is healing essential? Because of God's character, also God's glory, and the fulfillment of all the prophecies that Jesus is the Messiah. What do we do with this truth that his healing power is unrivaled? We seek the Lord. We seek the Lord. Intentionally on Thursday night, we had a time of prayer and fasting because prayer and fasting are linked to healing. 
in the Bible again and again and again. It's like God links those so many times so we won't miss it. When we want healing, we seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. Fasting is to humble ourselves, is to give God our attention, fervently pray, cry out to him. That's what they're doing. They're coming to Jesus authentically with needs, uh, fervently, and Jesus is bringing healing. And on Thursday night, we had an extended time, prayer and fasting, asking God for healing and restoration. During Thursday night uh, and throughout the day Thursday, I had a sense that God wants this in my life to continue. And I'm setting apart Tuesdays for fasting. I encourage you to join me. Let's do this together. Whatever that's going to look like for you, for some people, maybe no entertainment on Tuesdays, for some skip a meal, for some go sunrise to sunset. What does it look like to fast and pray in this time where we need so much restoration to come to Jesus uh, through fasting and prayer, just like the scripture says, and that he would bring healing, uh, healing in our land and healing in our lives. Let's do that together. Let's seek the Lord like they're doing in this passage and let's watch what Jesus will do. We have healing in families and they receive from the Lord. We have Jesus' unrivaled healing power that we're to seek the Lord, even through prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord. And then here's the twist at the end. There are healing limits. Now, this is where we can get tripped up, and so we're going to walk through this carefully, uh, but ultimately we want to trust the Lord because he's glorified in one way in healing, but sometimes when his answer is wait or no, he's glorified in a different way, and he wants us to trust him and trust the results to him. Let's see how this plays out, starting in verse 41. Moreover, demons came out of many people, and they were shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, But Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. And because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And what do we see Jesus do? He drives demons out. The demons speak it out loud. You are the Christ. Demons have great theology. They know who the Messiah is. They proclaim it. And Jesus silences the demons. Why? Because he wants to make sure people praise him not demons. He doesn't want demons being his messengers. He wants people to be proclaiming their story and the gospel and how good he is. And then when you're reading the gospels, here's another curveball. Sometimes he tells people, share the good news. And other times he tells people to kind of stay quiet for a little longer. It's like, what's going on? Jesus has a timetable and it's going to be done on his terms. There's going to be persecution. He'll be killed. He'll be murdered. And he doesn't want to stir up things too soon. And ultimately he's coming the first time as a servant, a suffering servant, and he'll return as the king of kings. And people want to make him this messianic king and finally overthrow Rome. It's like, no, that's not the first coming. So Jesus has a time. He does it on his terms. And sometimes he asks people in, in that era to wait, wait, and then watch what'll happen. And eventually is crucifixion in resurrection. Here's another thing Jesus does with limits. He steps back from the crowd. It was early in the morning. He steps back, goes to a solitary place. What a reminder in terms of starting our days with everything flying at us right now, from what's on our phones, to the people around us, to the tasks we're trying to do. Jesus would pull back from the demands. Everyone wanted him to heal. He would pull back and get alone with the Father. Early in the morning, 
get alone with the Father. That was his pattern. That's the pattern of his life. You know, one person that, there's been some movies about Mr. Rogers lately. And, uh, you know, you think about his life, biography, Tom Hanks is in one. Uh, but this beautiful neighborhood, Mr. Rogers, he, what's the standout quality of Mr. Rogers? His kindness, his kindness. He even broke through racial tension and brought harmony in, in his own way and on his own platform. But it was kindness to everybody. It didn't matter if you were a bigger name or you were someone who was just serving at the station. Kindness across the board. You say, well, where did that kindness come from? Every morning at 5 a.m., he would wake up, spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, 5 a.m. He'd also go for a swim at 7.30. Who knew? Uh, I didn't know that watching him grow up. But uh, I didn't even know uh, much about his life. But 5 o'clock every morning, 5 o'clock. Why? Because he savored that time with God. He looked forward to that. That's when God fills up his soul. So he's got kindness and love to give to the people around him. And uh, what a great reminder. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Uh, Jesus also, I think there's a lot of tension in this passage. Because Jesus has healed a lot of people. Now they want more of Jesus. They want him to stay. They're saying, Jesus, stay and heal more. And Jesus says, I need to go. I'm leaving. They want him to stay. Jesus is not just going to please the crowds. Sometimes in the crowds, he doesn't meet every need in terms of physical healing. No, he sets limits. And he's listening to the Father. He's abiding. And now it's time to go. But can't you see how that would lead to some disappointment? Some pain? We need to even declare out loud, God, I trust you with my disappointment. I trust you with my pain. I trust you with my loneliness. I trust you with these feelings, these intense, dark feelings I'm having. God, I want to trust you even on a deeper level than the circumstances and feelings I'm going through. I want to trust you, Jesus. And it's a reminder here that the greatest healing is not physical. It's one of the soul. There's a deeper healing than just a physical healing, although those were miracles then and miracles now. The deeper one is the soul. And here's a powerful story, and it really uh, intersects with the story of our church. But I want you to think back, and this is decades ago in Ecuador when missionaries went there, and someone named Encaye, who is in Ecuador, uh, killed someone named Nate Saint. And we're going to watch a clip of Steve Saint. This is Nate's son who lost his dad at a very young age. Minkaye killed Nate Saint, but yet there's forgiveness, there's healing. This story is about the healing of God. And in fact, uh, there was a movie about the story. Uh, Minkaye came here to Grace, and uh, there's a family connection here at Grace as well. But Minkaye just went to be with Jesus, and I want to show you this brief clip, and this is Steve Saint, who again lost his dad murdered by Minkaye. Now look what Steve Saint says right now about Minkaye going to be with Jesus. Let's watch this clip. A kind, gentle, fun-loving man has just died deep in the Amazon jungles of Ecuador. His name known to millions of people around the world was simply Minkaye. He was one of my dearest friends in the world. Minkaye and a small group of Waurani from his violent tribe speared my father Nate to death when I was just five. Only those who understand the transforming power of Christ's message could understand our friendship. We will miss you for a while, Grandfather Minkai, but we look forward to the reunion with you that we are promised. Loving, this is the man who killed his dad. 
Minkaye uh, has 13 kids and over 50 grandkids. And this is one of the quotes about Minkaye and how Jesus changed his life. He said, we used to live, we were angry, we were hating and killing for no reason. But now we walk God's trail. We live happily and in peace. And then he adds this, this question, powerful question. He said, how long did you know about God's marking before you came and shared it with us? In other words, there's people all around the world, even two billion who haven't heard about Jesus. And the question is, how long have you known about this Jesus really before you came and shared with us? He's, he's wondering. I Minkaye's mean, life was radically changed and a powerful friendship between Steve and Menkaye. In fact, Steve would say that Menkaye is one of his dearest friends on the earth. How does that happen? The person who kills your dad becomes one of the dearest friends you have on the entire earth? And in fact, Steve uh, has a grandson now named Menkaye to honor the man who just went to be with the Lord. That is the healing power of Jesus, to forgive to trust him. This is what I want to point out. There could be a lot of questions. How did God not protect them down in the Ecuador when they went with the love of God in their hearts? How did God not protect them? How did they die? How is that God? Because sometimes God has a greater glory. And in a death, there's a greater glory and he wants us to trust him. Jesus died, was crucified, but there was a greater glory that God had. There was a greater healing that God had. And sometimes we, we see part of the picture, but the greater work that God's doing, he wants us to trust him, to trust him in the healing process. Even when he says, wait, to trust him. You know, as we, uh, our time together right now, I just want you to think about healing in your life. What do you need right now? in terms of healing, and what has God done in your life? How has he healed you in different ways? I think back to a 10-year stretch in my life. started when I was fighting for my life, and then 10 years where I was just waiting on the Lord, asking, seeking him, and learning how to receive from God. And I received so much healing, and it was emotional and physical, spiritual, relational, so much healing. But, you know, today I hit a time where it's like a waves of sadness hit me. I didn't expect it. I was on a Zoom call and then afterwards it was like I just felt all this intense sadness. But I've been learning and I learned how to go to the Lord, bring that sadness and receive from him. And uh, I, I just say it authentically. He, he brings healing. He brings joy. I think of our church the last five years. It's been incredible healing in many ways. You know, physically, in terms of financially, we're out of debt now. But there's so many other ways. We're seeing people return to God, return and have a church family. Uh, so many people that have been far away coming back to God. It's been amazing. We've seen all these groups built up. Uh, I'm excited for when we're back together because I believe God is doing great things right now. The healing process and growth of our church has not stopped. In fact, what's happening at home, what's happening in the Word, what's happening in groups, what's happening in prayer right now, what's happening in terms of unity right now is very significant. This virus will end. We will be back together, and we're going to give God praise. And I just look forward to it. Even some things done around the building right now, I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do in this next season. But right now, let's be learning and receiving from the Lord, trusting Him. And, and that's at the core of this. There's so much healing needed in our nation. And if I could pick, you know, what did Jesus say that I would want people to listen to across our land today? I think of this statement Jesus made. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's go to Jesus and receive. Let's go to Jesus and really seek him in prayer. Let's go to Jesus and trust him. And Jesus is our healer. Let's pray. God, we worship you. We thank you for your healing power. But more than just your power and miracles, we worship you for who you are. Jesus, we praise you. We draw close to you right now. We want to be near to you, Jesus. We thank you so much that you want to be near to us. Come into our homes in a new way. Come into our relationships in a new way. Lord, we want to seek you in a new way in prayer and fasting, receiving from you. God, we want to trust you in terms of the healing process in our lives. And right now, God, we pray that you would pour out healing. We pour out an amazing healing, God, in our lives right now. We need you. We wait on you. We trust you. We praise you. For your glory, God, bring healing. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.